You're listening to Vernacular Podcast. Welcome back to Vernacular Podcast. This is the first episode of our new season. We're really excited to be here. And joining us are Jordan and Catherine Short, two of our longtime contributors. They've been with us from the very beginning. Jordan and Catherine, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having us. Hi. We're glad to be back. Yeah. Well, we really like this idea for an episode, which Catherine, you came up with. So as you guys know, we did a book club for season five of our podcast. And one of the books we reviewed was Susan Cain's Quiet, which is subtitled uh wait what is the subtitle something about uh how to in, in a, a world, world they, they can't, can't stop, stop talking. talking yeah that's the second part of the subtitle <laughs> how to i don't know something about it's it's how about to be an introverts. introvert in a world they can't stop talking yeah, something that's, like that that's close enough so anyway clearly about introversion and extroversion <laughs> clearly and that's i at least remember the content of the book if not the subtitle but that got us and a lot of our listeners thinking about personality types we had a few comments on the podcast uh, from listeners about it. And Catherine, you contacted us wanting to do um, a deeper dive into personality types and discuss those. So we're going to talk about two of those today, Myers-Briggs and Enneagram. Let's just start with Myers-Briggs. I'll kick it over to you, Catherine. Yeah. So I have an undergrad in psychology. I did not go on, so I'm not an expert in this, but I love discussing personality types, um, just finding how people tick and Jordan and I, we discuss this all the time about each other and our siblings and friends. Um, so I think most people are familiar with Myers-Briggs, which is like a four letter type and, um, the combinations create 16 different types. Um, so a lot of it is kind of resolved around if you're like extroverted or introverted. Um, but it goes deeper than that, I think. Yeah, I think since there's those four different qualities, you've got three additional ways of describing someone beyond just introversion and extroversion, which is nice because everyone who ever says that they're an introvert or an extrovert, they always qualify it. Like, I'm the kind of introvert that in, still enjoys being around people. Right. <laughs> you know, everyone has to expand upon that that category. Because it's kind of narrow. So let's talk about the the four, I guess, axes of the Myers-Briggs. So there's there are four categories of your personality, and then each of those have two different possibilities, right? So the first letter is either an E or an I for extroversion, introversion. The second is either an S or an N, S for sensing, N for intuition because i stands for introversion and you can't have two eyes so n we'll call it well n i have tuition. two eyes <laughs> i personally do but i understand right. but everyone does right okay okay and then the third one you're either a thinking person or a feeling person which i mean it's kind of, it, it's not quite what it sounds like right because if you're if you're an f in that category it's not like you're not a thinking person right and then j or p judgment or perception for the fourth I mean, Catherine, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's what you gravitate more towards, right? It's not that you 
probably there's no one who lacks all feeling and is completely thinking, but it's kind of a percentage. Exactly. And unfortunately, some of the tests online won't give you a percentage, but there are ones that do. Um, and I think if you took the actual one, um, it would be in full percentages. Well, I think also that the key thing to, to remember about the four categories is, you know, um, you were talking about thinking or feeling, right, Zach? And, and that third category thinking or feeling is kind of like broken down to how you make decisions, right? And percentage wise. So it's right. not like you, you don't think or you only feel, <laughs> but it's how you make decisions. So, right. The first category is where you focus your attention. Is it introversion or extroversion? Right. And then the second category is the way you take in information, either sensing or through intuition. Third one, of course, how you make decisions thinking or feeling. And then the last one, it's how you deal with the world, judging or perceiving. So again, it's not saying like you're, <laughs> you just think, or you just feel, or you just judge people, you know, <laughs> uh, which, which someone may, may, may think that at first glance, but. Yeah, I saw, uh, or I read an explanation of Myers-Briggs and it basically says it's how we interpret and act upon things out in the world. That's really helpful. Yeah. I had never taken it before, um, before this past week when I was getting ready for this podcast, because I'm the person who has always, I don't know, shied away from personality tests. Or Sally really doesn't want to be put tight. in a box. Yeah. She doesn't want to be put in a box. She doesn't want to be categorized. So growing up, I was all, I always rejected my mom's attempts to have us take like these little <laughs> personality test things. And I was like, I don't want to be stuck in some sort of definition. So I never took Myers-Briggs until this week. And, um, I feel like it must be somewhat accurate because before I, after I finished the test, I asked Zach to guess what my results were. And he guessed what the test said. So I guess the test must be somewhat accurate since I mean, I think so. My yeah. husband thinks that. So. It, made, it made sense. <laughs> I guessed accurately. I was pretty proud of myself. So but speaking of guessing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what do you guys think Sally is? Okay. So we came up with ISFJ. So close. So close. I'm just thinking, apparently thinking instead of feeling. Okay. So okay. ISTJ. So yeah, three out of four. You guys nice clearly job. aren't married to her. <laughs> <laughs> now, Zach, our guess for you, we kind of disagree mm. um, on what you are. So Catherine thinks, go ahead. Say. Okay. I said an ENFP. Okay. Which basically the, the personality is like a campaigner. Right. Like if um, there's a website called 16personalities.com that really does a great job of breaking down the Myers-Briggs personality types and they they help to like provide context to these letters. Right. Oh, that's cool. So, so it's really cool. So like uh, for you, Zach, you know, um, it's kind of like, OK, the campaigner is like a free spirit. They're like Enthusiastic. The, they're enthusiastic, right? But they're less interested in the sheer excitement and pleasure of the moment than they are enjoying the social and emotional connections, right? So that's what Catherine thinks you are. But I think there's a slight variation. So instead of feeling the F, I think 
you're thinking. So I think it's ENTP, which is the debater personality. The but debater. anyway, enough of, enough about that. I like it. You guys are also very close. Uh, I'm That's actually so not right. <laughs> you're you're close though. I'm actually an ENTJ. Which, okay. by the way, is the commander. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but haven't you taken the test one one time when it it gave you a different result? Um, or actually, something? yes, I think I have taken it. So I got the, you got the I, debater. Yeah, I took the full battery and got the commander, and I took a second smaller one. Actually, I think it was from 16personalities.com, dot com, and I did get the debater. Okay. So I think there is some ambiguity on the judging perceiving thing. Mm. Yes, interesting. Good, uh, good guesses though. You guys. It would be really interesting if Catherine's guess was right because then you'd be the exact opposite of me. Yeah. That would make for an interesting relationship. It would. (laughs) Yeah. Is that a good thing? Maybe that would be a good thing. I don't know. I don't know. It might be. Yeah, because then you're like two sides of the same coin, right? Right. Yeah, but Sally, the guess that Catherine had the personality was the defender. Oh, Um, okay. Sally's actually the. Logistician, <laughs> is that what? Yeah, oh, practical really? and fact-minded individuals. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, the defender also. The reason why I thought it could potentially be, is that um, excellent analytical skills, though introverted, they have well-developed people skills. So, but with Thank only you. one letter off. <laughs> she goes, yeah. Thank no, you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm not the kind of introvert who lives in a closet, even though we podcast from one. (laughs) That's true. By the way, the 16 Personalities site has lists of famous people who are that personality type. So, Sally, you'll be uh, happy to know that you're in the same category as the Chancellor of Germany, uh, Angela Merkel. Okay. Uh, Also, Natalie Portman and uh, my personal favorite, Denzel Washington. So. Well, well, it's good well that I'm done. like Natalie Portman because she's one of your favorite actresses. So. Also, it's true. Also, Condoleezza Rice, uh, Hermione Granger from the Harry Potter series. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh, Jason Bourne. I love wow. it when they pull in. <laughs> Jason Bourne, in, like, yes. Fictional characters, right? Like, oh, this is how this is how Hermione answered these questions as well. Yeah. I'm just like Hermione. <laughs> okay, um, we. All right, we need to confer, I guess. Yeah, we did. We did not. Uh, we didn't prepare in advance. <laughs> All right, what do we think that Catherine is? Uh, First, E. Yes, I would agree with E. And then, uh, hmm, I would say, I think an E N. E N, T. P. I'm gonna say E N T J. Hmm, I'm gonna say E N T P. So I guess that would make if ENTJ that would mean she'd be the one that you watch, are, right? Well, I'll just be totally wrong. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> like polar opposite. Okay, well, what are you, Gavin? Well, well, Sally, you're very close. Yeah, you're very close. Zach is not quite as close. No. Oh, okay. So um, not ENTJ. So I got one of the letters wrong. Yes. E I N T J. Just keep guessing. I am an E S T J. E S T J. Oh yes, I was so close. Nice. So. The executive. Yes. Um, there was another website that I took this originally on. I can't remember what it is, but it basically said that an ESTJ has extroverted thinking with introverted sensing. And mm. I thought that was very accurate of myself. Well, you'll be happy to know you're joining the ranks of eminent men and women like Dwight Schrute <laughs> and Boromir from The Lord of the Rings. Boromir. Also Judge Judy and Frank Sinatra. So. 
Nice. What an odd collection of people. It really is. I know. Sonia Sotomayor. Yeah, I I saw that as well. Yeah, so so two two judges, justices there. I'd like to know who took these tests for them, too, you know? (laughs) Okay, Jordan. Uh, I'm going to go Jordan being an I here. Ooh. I'm saying E. Mm, Okay. I'm saying... I N mm. What's the difference between intuitive and sensing again? Yeah, what is the difference between intuitive and sensing? Let's review. So, according to Wikipedia, people who prefer sensing are more likely to trust information that is in the present, tangible and concrete. They tend to distrust hunches. So, they wouldn't decide from the gut. On the other hand, those who prefer intuition tend to trust information that is less dependent upon the senses that can be associated with other information. They may be more interested in future possibilities. Okay, I'm just going to go with my gut here. Okay. All right. E I F J. Wait, E I, that doesn't make sense. E N? Oh, yeah, E N. <laughs> right. F J. E N. I am going with I N F J. Okay, what are you, Jordan? Dun, dun, dun. Oh, wow, 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 wow. <laughs> are we so, just totally off? I am E N yes. T P. Oh, 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 I got 50 50. Darn. Wow, yes. I got one So out thinking of four. and perceiving. <laughs> thinking and perceiving. Are my last two. E N T P. Yes, which is the debater. Oh, nice. Okay. Ah, uh, so we're pretty close, Jordan. You and mm-hmm, I. Mm-hmm. We are. Yep. Let's see. And I actually what other thought, famous and my guess for you, my, my disagreement <laughs> with Catherine was that I thought like you were the debater as well. Right. Right. Which, um, according to one taking of the test, you right, are. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, Jordan, uh, Weird Al. <laughs> yes. Uh, Celine Dion. <laughs> wow. Uh, Captain Jack Sparrow. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And uh, the Joker. So, oh, wow, that's word. wonderful. Yeah. These are horrifying <laughs> Pretty examples. good list. Wow. Uh, I don't know if I read my uh, historical analogs. Let's see. Histo- I guess historical. Adolf historical Hitler contemporary. is probably one. I don't know. Them. Let's see. Uh, let me just read the, the flattering ones to you guys to hear. Uh, <laughs> uh, Steve Jobs. Oh, okay. Um, that's not flattering. That's, I guess it's true. Yeah, we've read his biography. You, you have it as well, right, Jordan? Yes, I have. Uh, David Petraeus. Uh, David Palmer from 24, if you guys have seen that. Ooh, Frank Underwood, not flattering Not flattering. At all. Uh, okay, well, yeah. I think we should move on to the next <laughs> test. <laughs> all right, the Enneagram. I Well, can I've we heard... first talk about uh, problems with the Myers-Briggs or complaints with it? What do you guys think of the Myers-Briggs? Well, okay. <laughs> I don't have complaints in general about Myers-Briggs. What I, I do have some thoughts about personality types in general, and I think they may correlate to Sally's kind of <laughs> rejection of them as a, as a youngster. Yes. Um, so I can hold off on those feelings and thoughts about personality types in general, um, and we can talk about that at the end. But I don't really have too many complaints about Myers-Briggs particularly. I think it's pretty accurate. Um, yeah, and... I think it's important to remember that a person, you know, we're more than just a personality type. Um, 
And there's certain things that really stand out to me when I read descriptions of an ESTJ, but there's so many other factors that make up, you know, birth order and, you know, family dynamics. And for instance, um, the ESTJ, one of the main factors is that we're really um, right and wrong. Like we have a very definitive um, idea of what right and wrong is. And we can get frustrated when people around us, you know, aren't following that. And I find that happens a lot in workplace scenarios. Yeah. Where it's just, it's just easy for me to like walk in and like see what's going wrong right away. So I guess a strength of maybe not just Myers-Briggs, but of all personality tests is that if they're somewhat accurate, you can kind of learn from them for better or for worse. Like mm-hmm. you can appreciate your strengths, but then you can also work on your weaknesses. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So probably as a child, I just didn't want to be confronted with my weaknesses. Yeah. <laughs> well, I also, I mean, and Jordan, maybe this is kind of along the lines of what you were thinking on personality profiles in general, but I think a major limitation of them is that they just can't capture temperament. So you, yeah. could, be, you could be an ENTJ who's prone to... Uh, having really bad moods, or you could be an ENTJ who's always upbeat, and it's it's difficult to capture that in a personality type. So when so we did this in my office a year or so ago, where we all took the Myers Briggs, and it, I guess it was illuminating to some degree, but but you could have two identical you know quote unquote identical personality types next to each other who were actually very different people and very different to work with, and you needed to approach them in different ways to mm-hmm. cooperate best with them. So yes. it's, it's just an inherent limitation of, of a personality profile. That... So this is actually a, its own test, the temperament test. Um, I haven't taken a oh. test for it, but I heard a podcast about it. Really? And I thought it was actually really interesting for parents looking at their children. And I don't know, it, it felt a little less harsh to me. So I didn't mind it when I was listening to it. It wasn't one of those tests where I was immediately against it. But there's four personality types in this temperament scenario. And that's – or. Um, test and it's sanguine which means you're enthusiastic active and social choleric short-tempered fast or irritable melancholic analytical wise quiet and phlegmatic relaxed and peaceful those are just like you know some of the descriptors but um yeah i don't have much more to say about that other than that it's another way of conceiving of personalities so not knowing anything about this test it just i'm skeptical of it because there are four categories so I, that's I, too few right i would think well, so well you can have a dominant right. and a and, and a non-dominant yeah the colors one's kind of like that too okay okay right yeah so maybe too few categories in this yeah. case i mean i like the myers briggs cuz there's at least like Catherine pointed out 16 different typologies that you can fall okay. into okay <laughs> too many categories i felt was the enneagram yeah, just to true. move us along to that time yeah. i was a little overwhelmed by the enneagram so I i'm don't still know. not really sure what i like what it means <laughs> <laughs> it told me that i had three different types and it told me that i well yeah the three types and i'm not and it listed a ton of characteristics of each of those types and i'm not really sure what i was supposed to take away from that <laughs> well, there are actually fewer than Myers-Briggs, right? Because there's nine. Um, and but then, but what, you have three – you could have so many different combinations, right? So what what uh, usually happens is there's just a, a, a major and a minor, right? Or they say you're dominant and then you're wing. 
So usually it's just two. You limit it oh, to the okay. top two. Got it. Um, based on the percentage, right? Um, and and then you know there may be versions of yourself when you are being unhealthy, where you gravitate toward another personality, you know, a, 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 another personality type or or um, things of that nature. But let's try to like simplify it because I know it is a little overwhelming. You know, Enneagram kind of encompasses our desires, fears and fixations. Um, and and while the Myers-Briggs kind of outlines how we interpret and act upon them in that, I think that might be able to, you know, kind of break that down a little bit more. You know, the, the interesting thing about the Enneagram is um, the, the history is a little bit is a little bit more ancient, um, not to dive too deep into it, but there's like uh, similar ideas um, about the Enneagram personality are find in the, found in the works of a, a Christian mystic who lived in Alexandria, Egypt in the fourth century. And then there were doctors and psychiatrists who kind of began to flesh out some of these ideas as history uh, progressed. So it's a very interesting thing. Um, Enneagram is not used as much in uh, or it, it, historically it wasn't used as much in the workplace. Uh, and now it's gained more popularity in, in recent years. Um, but it's, it, it, now it's kind of like in business management and spiritual contexts. So faith groups, um, will use this and, uh, it's, it's really, it's, it's really interesting. And, and a lot of like my peers, uh, and, and like, in the creative world, we talk about this a lot. Like a, a day doesn't go by in my co-working space when we're not talking about the Enneagram and kind of how we relate to each other. And it's it's really interesting not to put anyone in a box, of course, but we it just helps us understand each other, right? And where we're coming from and how we kind of like, you know, our, our desires, our fears, our fixations, all that stuff. So, so let's break this down a little bit. I'm again on the Wikipedia page, always a helpful source talking about <laughs> these things. Uh, there's a table that lists all the characteristic roles of the Enneagram types and then the ego fixations and the basic mm -hmm. fears and basic desires. So those types, one through nine, reformer, helper, achiever, individualist, investigator, loyalist, enthusiast, challenger, and peacemaker. And each of those has a corresponding ego fixation. So for example, reformers ego fixation is resentment a helper's ego fixation is flattery and achievers is vanity so on and so forth and then they mm -hmm. also have a corresponding basic fear and basic desire one of my problems with this is the basic fear category all of that sounds absolutely terrible to me <laughs> i'm equally afraid of being worthless having no identity or significance, being trapped in pain and deprivation. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't it supposed to be like the fear that's motivating you? Not, I mean. I'm motivated by all of those fears. <laughs> <laughs> but so anyway, yeah, basic fears <laughs> with each personality type and then basic desires. So um, yes. we probably don't have time to guess each other's on this one. So I'll just tell you what my brief test told me. And I don't really think it's accurate. Uh, reading up on these, but it told me my primary was reformer and my secondary and tertiary, or maybe my, I guess my wings were 
uh, individualist, which sounds bad. And <laughs> I mean, it does reading all the, the like all across for individualist, not good. Uh, and investigator. So reformer, primary, and the wings are individualist and investigator. And I think my primary one was, I'm trying to remember. I came up with one, two, three, but I can't remember which is the primary one. I think it was helper. And then the other ones were reformer and achiever in some order. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they didn't give me percentages. So I wasn't totally sure. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. How about you guys? Okay, so my main one is uh, five, so I'm the investigator, and then my others were peacemaker, which is nine, and reformer, one. Nice. And and I am straight down the list. I'm one, which is the reformer, and then two, which is the helper, and then the last one is achiever, three. So you have uh, three of the same as Sally, just in a different order. order. In a different order. And we order. all have right. Reformer. That's funny. Yes. And the funny thing is, Zach, is, is when you said the ones that you are, they make total sense to me. Oh, okay. Maybe they're not yeah. wrong. Maybe I am just a <laughs> well, and individualist. It's a, it's a combination. <laughs> it's not saying that you are only expressive, dramatic, self-absorbed, and temperamental. <laughs> And also, and I think, yeah, I think you're focusing on the fears here. Um, so, so the so individualist, example, though, like the ego fixation, though, for the individualist, melancholy. Okay, not a good thing. Uh, the basic fear, having no identity or significance. Okay. The temptation to overuse imagination in search of self. The vice, envy. What's the virtue associated with this? Oh, emotional balance. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Emotional yeah, balance is a good thing. He might be prone to envy, and he might only care about himself, but at least he's emotionally balanced. <laughs> <laughs> he's not insane. That's a virtue. The Wikipedia page is – I don't find it to be very helpful, okay. actually. All right. Um, help help me feel better. Surprise, surprise. Help, help me feel better yeah. about myself here, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, for example, right, um, loyalist number six yes. was my least uh, – percentage wise, it made up the least of my personality when I, when I took the long form questionnaire yeah. for Instagram. And at first I kind of, I kind of pushed back against that. Cause I was like, no, I'm loyal to people. And then the more I read up on it, it was like, you know what? I, because I'm a reformer, right? Like I want to improve. And so what ends up happening is I'm not beholden to ideas. If the ideas aren't working, I'm quick to move forward and say, okay, well, that idea, even if I came up with it, I don't have to stick with it. We're going to come up with something better, right? Yeah. And so, and so there's, there's kind of those elements too when you, when you kind of take it all into context. So individualist, right? Like you, um, you are a unique person. You have a desire to like, you don't care if other people are um, necessarily like you don't have to be in the in the majority as long as you are sure of your idea, right? Right. Um, so there there are those kind of elements. Um, the Wikipedia page is is really I'm gonna get rid of it because I have it up also and it's like <laughs> bugging bugging me. So I'm gonna pull up I'm gonna pull up four um, from Enneagram Institute real quickly. Okay. And when you're starting long form test, like how long is the long form test? It took, it might have taken me like 30 minutes when I first took it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, is that the one on the Enneagram Institute.com website? 
I think that's the one I took. Um, okay. It was it was a year or two ago, and I can't exactly remember. Um, but but um, the Enneagram Institute breaks down type four like this: like your basic desire is to find yourself and your significance to create an identity, right? Got it. Yeah. And and you know, knowing you, I I do feel like that is an element of who you are, right? You're you're striving to find that significance or create that significance even more importantly, right? Finding seems using the word finding makes it seem like you're lost, right? But, right. but I think, I think you, you, you want to create that significance in your life and in the lives of the people around you. And I think that's really interesting. Um, yeah, I so, think that's a really good point. I just want to be remembered by history. That's all I ask. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. No small feat there. <laughs> And then also, like, you know, you said one, one was your second, right? After four, it was four and then one. No, uh, four is my, four is one of my wings. It's one is actually my primary. So it's, oh, I'm sorry. One, four, five. So yeah, so I'm. Wow. No wonder you guys are friends. (laughs) Personalities are very, very similar, if not the same. (laughs) Totally. Totally. And so like our basic desire as a one is to be good and to have integrity and to be balanced. Right. And I remember even as a child, I had a fear that I that I fought through and that was being corrupted by evil or like not reaching my potential. And and that's so funny. Like as I as I've you know gotten older and kind of like realized that about myself, it's like, oh no, I just wanted to I wanted to have significance. I wanted to have integrity. I wanted to be good, you know? Yeah. And and so like it's really it's really interesting. Um, I think my thing with personality types is I don't want to put anyone in a box, but what personality types help me do is they help me understand myself and how I react in certain situations, whether positively or negatively. Yeah, definitely. Um, and Enneagram is very much about like, okay, when you're under stress, you, you go here, right? Like your personality kind of goes into this place. And when you're in an area of growth, your personality goes here, right? And this is how you function. And so I think that's really helpful. And and I also, it helps me to relate to other people, right? So then I know that Catherine in a stressful situation, uh, she'll behave in a certain way and I have grace for her, right? And I think that's like, that's what personality types help me to do. Well, and I can imagine that really helps in the workplace too. So it's kind of neat that all of your coworkers, there are, Aware, aware enough yeah. to want to have those discussions. And we also, yes, totally. And, and we also like, you know, we don't just stick with the Enneagram. We do Myers-Briggs. And then also another really great one is Strengths Finder. Um, yeah, I've heard of that one. Which is really amazing and very well grounded in, in science and psychology and stuff. Um, Strengths Finder is amazing. But yeah, so like we, t- we talk about that stuff a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think reading Quiet was actually the first time that I thought, oh, wow, this personality type, even just extrovert, introvert, could be a really useful thing for married couples, for family dynamics, for parenting. And it's kind of opened me up to the possibility of other personality tests also being helpful. So maybe I should take the long-form Enneagram and it would... It would be helpful. Yeah, we should both do it. Yeah. Let's see. We'll get back to you guys and see what our long form Enneagram reveals to us. Yeah. 
Because, Catherine, you did take a shorter one, and it was a little off. Yeah. And then you took a longer one. Yeah, I had to kind of play around with it. And I think sometimes, I don't know, like, you can either take too long on answering a question. Exactly. To, like, go with your gut. You're supposed to go with your gut, and then you're like, was that my gut, or was that me (laughs) overthinking it? So, Catherine, what's your personality type again? My Myers-Briggs. No, I'm sorry, your Enneagram. My Enneagram. So, I'm a five. Um, and I thought it actually went quite well with my Myers-Briggs where it's just, you know, it's a lot of like fact-based and knowledge. I need to know that there's a real like, reason and purpose of while I'm doing something because I'm very like, fact-based. And I think this is really interesting. If you don't mind me reading this sentence from the Enneagram Institute, yeah. it, it's, it says behind a five's relentless pursuit of knowledge is an insecurity about their ability to function successfully in the world. And I think, you know, knowing you, Catherine, like that's, that is true. Like you do pursue knowledge and you're very intelligent and, and, um, and you're amazing. But then when you're under stress, sometimes some of those, I've seen those come out and that's okay. Like it's wonderful, but, but it's just interesting to see how like these things, like personality types helps help us be gracious to each other. Yeah, Jordan had all of his siblings <laughs> take these tests and discuss. Oh, it's seriously, wow. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> that, I mean, recently in your lifetime or when you were kids? Yes, recently. recently. Oh, okay, yeah, so that would be that would be a really good thing to do. Yeah, that's... Because you kind of, as you get older, you kind of lose touch with your the core personalities of your siblings. At least I feel yes. like I could yeah. benefit from really learning. I would learn so much about my sisters if we all took You're the test. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Thanks, no doubt. Yeah, Thanksgiving break would be like a perfect time <laughs> yeah. to oh, do man. it. If you get idea. snowed in. Oh, no, yes. <laughs> we have all these heart-to-heart talks. Oh, my. <laughs> it's like, oh, now I understand why you act that way when you get stressed. <laughs> For the past 25 years. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm telling you, it's a very, like, eye-opening and heart-opening thing, right? Once you start diving into some of these personality types and, uh, yeah. Yeah. And we, I mean, we don't have time to talk about this, but even just, um, the, throwing in then the birth order aspect, like how does that mess with your different personality types or how you interact with your siblings? Maybe you express different aspects of your personality when you're interacting with your siblings than when you're interacting with your friends yeah. or your spouse yes. or something like that. Well, one thing I, I found on this Enneagram Institute.com website is, in addition to the descriptions of the types themselves, they have explanations of some potential trouble spots in relating to other personality types. Yes. And so Sally mentioned her primary is two helper. My primary is one or former. So in the potential trouble spots between ones and twos, um, there are several, but the one that jumped out at me is that, uh, is this sentence, both ones and twos, therefore find it difficult to talk about what they're actually feeling, what is actually going on in the relationship and what they actually want. And Mm. what immediately jumped out at me is, example of our date nights so we try to go on regular date nights and we always have such a hard time figuring out where to go because (laughs) we we always want to be deferential to the other and not necessarily really state our preference for going somewhere but just kind of like feel out try to try to feel out what the other person is thinking and then like make the right strategic calculation to satisfy their desires rather than our own and so we just you know it's like all throw something out that maybe wouldn't be my first choice but i think sally might like it and then Sally's response will be like, you know, oh, that's 
that maybe he's just saying that because that's what I want. So I want to be open to his preferences. So she'll say, yeah, if that's what you're really craving. And then <laughs> I think like, well, that's not really what I'm craving. I'm trying to think about what you're craving. So, <laughs> so that doesn't like you sound lukewarm on that. So let me, you know, suggest a different option. And so it's just this back and forth. And then yep. we've probably gone to places that like neither of us are really feeling that hot about, but yes. we're just like, oh, this must be what the other person wants, given this like complicated dance that we. Yeah, did this was just a revelation to... last week on our most recent day night. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, how are we making these decisions? Right. So we talked about maybe we'll do it from now on, like just like rotating decision making responsibilities. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. uh, that might be that might be a possibility, but <laughs> I I kind of like the enneagram. The more we've talked about it, the more I've. I looked into Come it. Come around to it. Yeah. I, I like it. <laughs> like it's it's a it's a rabbit. It's a rabbit hole for sure. And there's some really amazing things like the Enneagraminstitute.com. They have like how your type operates at a healthy level, at an average level, or an unhealthy level. And then like you said, Zach, how you relate to other personality types. Right. And it is really interesting. Um, but I think Sally, you mentioned something about birth order. I love the science of birth order and the psychology of that. And I think you, you wrap that into some of these, you know, Enneagram or Myers-Briggs and it's, you can get a pretty good understanding of a person, you know, I believe it. Yeah. When you allow that like other layer to influence Mm -hmm. your understanding of someone. Yeah. That makes, that makes total sense. Yeah. Zach and I spend a lot of time talking about, sibling interactions because of birth order and everything and trying to figure out how we relate to our siblings. Yeah. So yeah, that would be, I should read up more on that too. I'm a pretty good, I can guess after spending just a little bit of time with someone, I can pretty accurately figure out what order they were born in. You know, like if it was like a middle child or the baby or the eldest, you know? Yeah. For example, you know, Jordan is the oldest and I am the youngest. So I am used to being told what to do. And Jordan is used to telling people what to do. And so like, it actually kind of works out. (laughs) That's so awesome. (laughs) Sometimes I have to, I have to watch myself though, you know, tone it down just a little bit. (laughs) Cause I was like, yes, yes. Okay. Okay. That's so funny. You're the executive, yeah, yeah. That's true. Then it's like your birth order somehow is the. Yeah, I'm really comfortable being told what to do, so I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, Yeah, that's well, that's good. I I, sometimes I wonder if our birth orders are different because of different personalities within our families. Yeah, like we don't express the obvious personality of someone in our birth order. I don't know. It's hard to describe exactly but i don't know if it's that clear cut yeah i see what you're saying Mm -hmm. yeah i I think i I have some more dominant personalities in my family that when i'm interacting with my family i don't act like the oldest Mm. and that zach you have a more dominant personality naturally or temperament and so you sometimes can act like the oldest even though you're not that's probably true if that makes sense i don't like being told what to do (laughs) (laughs) never did that's fascinating (laughs) yeah i think zach you do kind of behave like the oldest like in times i can see that yeah valid i mean like i said i haven't studied enough birth order science to say one way or the other but sally has said that before as well 
Yeah, and I think I've spent so much of my life acting like the oldest and seeing how I've gotten this like bossy <laughs> um, reputation that well, now yeah, you, I'm really you've been afraid of being worried bossy. about yeah, it. You don't want to be yeah. labeled as bossy. So yeah. I've I've seen many times where you have deliberately stepped aside to make room for the stronger personalities in your family because. You don't want to be viewed. I grew up with a reputation of being bossy, right? Yeah, as every really? as every old oldest sibling does. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Pretty yeah, stuff. Siblings have called him bossy many a times. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, <laughs> if you're the oldest sibling, you're going to get that label yeah. slapped on you. And maybe yeah, in my case, if you're the second oldest sibling. <laughs> um, any more thoughts on personality types? We should. Wrap this no, up. I, sure. I, we, I mean, we could listen, go on if forever. We, this if we is had too a fun. Of wine and, yeah. and we were all together, yeah. we could just talk forever about this is it. It's going to happen again. Next time we are together, <laughs> let's do yes. it. Uh, before we let you guys go, though, you're our pop culture experts on the show as well. What movies or shows are you looking forward to watching this summer? Or already watching. Or, are, yeah, good point. So we just started watching The Handmaid's Tale. I haven't heard of that. On Hulu. It is on Hulu. And it is based off of a uh, best-selling novel by Margaret Atwood. Oh, uh, oh, okay. Zach's looking at me and he's like, you just got the book from the <laughs> she library. She literally just picked up the book at the library. <laughs> and it was sitting, I didn't know we, it was. Uh, we I talked about this yesterday. <laughs> okay. I was like, oh, you're going to read that book? It's. Uh, oh, okay. It's All the right. craze now. All right. Okay. I'm impressed that the library even had it. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. You thought it would be checked out. Yeah, I thought yeah. it would be checked out. Um, yeah, so it's on Hulu. I think it originally was maybe just going to be a one-and-done kind of eight-episode or ten-episode show, but I heard that it just got picked up for a second season. So I'm not wow. sure how quickly um, it's going to get through the book. So that's why I got confused. I thought that it was a movie, but it's a show. <laughs> oh, okay. Interesting. Your confusion makes more sense now. <laughs> <laughs> What's the premise, Catherine? It's a dystopian story. I mean, I'm only two episodes in, so I'm still... Well, the synopsis is kind of, yes, like Catherine said, in the near future, um, a conservative religious group has come to power in the United States, and they are suppressing people through ideology, and... um, Basically, there's a, a big problem with like infertility in the country. And so these handmaids are used to help continue uh, yeah, po- the popula- or grow the population and continue a lineage. And so the main character uh, is one of these handmaids. And um, it's really fascinating. Um, it's it's intense um, and really thought provoking. That's awesome. I can't wait to try it out. Yeah. Talk or the show. Cool. Both. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys read the book before the show? No. no. Okay. We have not. But I would definitely be down for reading the book. Um, the first few episodes that we've watched of the show have been fascinating. Yeah. Awesome. On a lighter note, we have been watching uh, Netflix's Master of None, yes. which was created by Aziz Ansari, um, and season two came out a little while ago, and it is just, it is genuinely a joy yeah. to watch. Yeah. The it, writing is just so good. 
We've watched the first three episodes, I think, of the second season, and we are also yeah, we very thoroughly much agree. It. We were so excited for the second season to come out, and we haven't been flying through it as quickly as we would actually want to be. There's something <laughs> but it's so fun to watch. There's something about this show, though. I can't quite pin it down, but I think I have identified it. It it is it plays out on screen. Almost like a play. Almost like a play. Do you guys have that mm-hmm. feeling? Like the, yes. the, the way the lines are delivered, they're not like a typical sitcom. And the way the scenes are arranged. The way the scenes are arranged. And yeah. There's just the number of characters that interact in a given episode. Yeah. And it even just makes mm-hmm. me think of a play. And even the way the characters often are both facing the camera rather than, you know, uh, various camera shots Angles. moving back and forth between mm-hmm. them. It's, mm-hmm. it's very interesting. So I guess the flip side of that is the acting. It's not necessarily, I guess there are a few actors or actresses in there who are just simply not good. Uh, I'm thinking, well, yeah, there are just minor characters. Yeah, minor characters. But more than that, I think it's just a different style than what we're used to seeing in a sitcom. Yes. Because it's more like you're watching it on a stage. Yes. And and I think it's it's I totally agree with you with the stage thing. And I think also there's an element of uh, of it being unpolished. You know, I think there are some non-actors, actually, you know, like, yeah, like uh, Like Aziz's parents. parents, Right. Um, and, and there is some legitimate bad acting in the show, but to me, it's almost like endearing. Yes. Like I'm getting actual, an actual glimpse. Yes. Yes, totally. And so I I really appreciate that. People too, but you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Are they? (laughs) Yeah, no, you're, you're right. It's, it's, it's a glimpse. And I think, I think it's just fascinating. Um, and, and it feels way more real. I think the things that it, that it says about modern relationships, um, uh, friendships, uh, uh, just between peers, parental, uh, relationships and, um, romantic relationships. It's just fascinating. Yeah, totally agree. And I like how each, each episode clearly takes up a topic that it wants to provide some social commentary on and does so very effectively. Yeah. How about movies in the theaters this summer? Anything you guys are waiting for? Oh, man. I mean, all I can think about is Star Wars. So <laughs> that's <laughs> – no, I, I I think – oh, man. Well, the Wonder One. Yeah, we haven't seen that yet. Neither which have we. Which just came out last weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Guardians? Was, I guess that was kind of a month or so ago. Have you guys seen Guardians 2? No, not yet. No. Neither, Neither have we. Neither have we. <laughs> We haven't watched too many um, blockbuster, like, summary films. Um, we were kind of just in, like, the Oscar zone um, for a while, like, catching up on Oscar movies. Yeah. Um, we recently saw, speaking of Natalie Portman, which was <laughs> earlier in this episode. Yes. <laughs> um, we watched uh, Jackie uh, a oh, few weeks ago. Was that and good? That, that yes. was, yes, amazing. Like, I... I cried multiple times in the show. Like it immediately pulls you in into the world and the time uh, that you're supposed to be watching. And I, I just found it to be spectacular. I'm really surprised she didn't win Best Actress. That kind of makes me. Well, she's already won. I know, but it kind of bummed me out because she was so good. Wow, that's so great. You are unable to get to the movie theaters. As much as you like, like us, you know, Jackie is at Redbox. So oh, nice. Okay, yeah. Um, one movie that 
I probably will end up waiting until it's released on DVD because it's a smaller um, romantic. Transform the new Transformers movie. Yes, smaller though. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Just an intimate little thing. (laughs) It's called The Big Sick, um, and it stars Kamal and John. Yeah, Nanjani. Sorry, from Silicon Valley, Um, and Zoe Kazan, who um, is an actress that I really like. She was in Swiss Army Man and... She um, wasn't in Swiss Army Man? Mm-hmm. Oh, she was! Yeah. Sorry, I was really pregnant when we watched that movie, so... <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Um, right? I think she is. Yeah, yeah. it's a romantic comedy, but it stars Ray Romano and Holly Hunter, and it just looked like a really sweet film. I saw the previews for it um, when we were watching another movie, and that comes out June 23rd. Oh, cool. awesome. Cool, that sounds good. You know what? No, I think I'm wrong. I think I'm definitely wrong about that. I don't think she wasn't so Sammy Man. Forgive me. That's okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> She's dating Paul Dano, Paul who, Dano who was the who creator was in, or the star. Who was in Swissman Man, so yeah. Ah, the confusion. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen uh I've not seen Swissman Man, so well, it is a treat. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> it is spectacular. Um, but it's a it's an odd movie. Okay, I will say I am I am excited about um, Spider Man, and I know people are like spidered out. Catherine said that the other day. She's just like she's out. like I can't I can't deal with another Spider Man. So many Spider Man. So but I like this actor. This this British kid who's who's playing Spider Man, and I think it could be fun. But actually, the main movie that I'm really excited about this summer is Dunkirk, which is the new Christopher yes. Nolan movie. That's going to be awesome. Is it about yes. the historical yes. event? Oh, okay, wow, cool. Like I am psyched out of my mind about that movie. Yeah, that's <laughs> going to be a pretty out? amazing movie. I think it's uh, in July. Okay, uh, the twenty first. Twenty first. Yep. Yeah, I'm a huge Christopher Nolan fan. Everything he does, I think, is very impressive. So the Dunkirk film is going to be very impressive. Well, well. I mean, Phoenix is going to be almost one then, so I'm sure you can just take him with you. Yeah. It sounds like a child-friendly movie. He'll <laughs> be really quiet yeah. the whole time. Right. One, one other movie that I'm very excited about is uh, Logan Lucky, um, which is this, like, incredible i saw the trailer a little while ago but it's steven soderbergh he's come out of retirement and he's directing uh a new film and it has adam driver uh from girls and star wars channing tatum um from many many things and uh most james bond himself (laughs) yes james bond himself daniel craig and it's a caper it's a caper film and it looks hilarious sounds good yeah I just have to share this quickly on the Dunkirk note, going back to that one. The theatrical release poster for Dunkirk has an image that doesn't really look like it quite fits with the Dunkirk storyline. But then even more hilariously, it has this this, uh, teaser phrase, when when 400,000 men couldn't get home, home came for them. Wow! So there it is. That yeah. definitely like cheeses it up a think, little bit. I think they need a new copywriter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm crying already. I know, right? <laughs> when four hundred thousand men couldn't get home. home um, also, home. Harry Styles is in Dunkirk. Well, perfect. I don't know if you guys I knew mean, that, but um, that's I was the main on the fence I'm watching it earlier. Yeah, that's 
Yeah, I'll be there at the midnight premiere now. So. <laughs> yeah, good, good, good. You and me both, huh? Perfect. Let's coordinate. <laughs> well, guys, thanks so much for talking to us about personality types and previewing some shows and movies for the summer. It's always fun to talk to you, and hopefully yeah, we'll too fun. have you on again soon. It's just wrong how fun it was. <laughs> <laughs> and we weren't even in the same place. I know. I know. How true. is it possible? Uh, Be wow. glad you weren't here in our closet because it's really it's, warm it's in here. Really, it's <laughs> getting really hot it's in this closet, a little warm. actually. Yeah. So, in the interest of fresh air, we'll yeah. talk to you guys later. <laughs> All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. All right, that's just about it for season six, episode one. Thank you so much for listening. We do have a few... I guess, housekeeping items before we... Yeah, we just wanted to remind you to follow us on all of our various social media accounts. That's on right. On Instagram, we are at VernacularPod. We're on Instagram now. And Twitter. And Twitter, at VernacularPod. And Facebook is... Facebook.com slash VernacularPodcast. You can email us at Zach and Sally at VernacularPodcast.com, and we would love to hear from you. Tell us how you liked this episode. We're going to try to keep all of our episodes this season on the shorter end, which for us means... At least less than an hour, but hopefully right. less than forty-five minutes, maybe thirty Our minutes. Our podcasts have been known to long to run long, and we're trying to not have that happen. Yeah, obviously this episode didn't do super well with that because we <laughs> just had such a fun time with Jordan and Catherine. But we're going to try to limit it for future episodes. So hopefully you like that. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Let us know what you want to hear more of, see more of. Not see. You don't see anything on podcast. Hear more of. And yeah. Next week, uh, pretty exciting, we're talking to Brian Brown, who runs this organization called the Anselm Society in Colorado. Uh, you can check out that if you want to get a head start on next week's episode at anselmsociety.org. Also, you may have noticed our intro music is different. It is Travis County by one of my favorite artists called Gary Clark Jr. And for those of you who did not listen to our last episode, uh, it's because we're moving to Austin, Texas. So pretty excited about that. I do have an apology to issue. Uh, last episode, to the last episode, yeah, yeah, we uh, <laughs> we mentioned that people say Austin is the best city to live in in Texas. That's what everyone has said to me. E literally, everyone, all everyone who has talked about Austin has told me that it is the best city in Texas. There you or, go. or they have said that people have told them that it's the best city in Texas. Well, so we heard... I was just repeating what I have heard. Yeah, well, I'm apologizing to Kevin, on our my contributor. Behalf, I guess. Kevin Boschman, the, one I was on the contributor to our podcast. He texted me angrily, not, you know, fake angrily. He's from Texas. He's from Texas, San Antonio specifically. And he said, Austin is not the best place to live in Texas. How dare you say that? So, Kevin, we apologize for repeating this vicious lie that Austin is the best <laughs> city in Texas. Anyway, uh, Kevin, hopefully you'll make the trip up the road to uh, come see us when we're living there. And uh, everyone else... Please feel free to give us tips for where to go in Austin to have good food and good music and all that stuff. And yeah, I think that about covers it for it. Anything else to add? Sally? No, I think that's it. We're just really excited about season six and we're glad that everyone's along for the ride. Yeah, so for Vernacular Podcast, I'm Zach. And I'm Sally. Have a great week. I'm by your side Feeling better than ever When you're